Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Santa H., and I am a grateful recovered compulsive overeater for today. Today is November 23rd, 2015, and we will be reading from the big book on page 7, starting at the second paragraph that begins with, It Relieved Me Somewhat, and we'll be reading through two paragraphs, ending at Undertaker and the Asylum. The first paragraph will be for context, and the second paragraph will be for, for sharing. Our readers for today is for the 12 Steps is Judy S., for the 12 Traditions is Janice B., and our readers are WS F., Karen F., and do out. And on Sunday, November twenty second, our special our special edition, we had a we had a meeting about the attitude of gratitude. And the share ID number for that is eight two one seven. Eight two one seven. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who share experience, strength, and hope. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues, fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors, and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps to those who still suffer. Always, our sole purpose, always fifth tradition states that each person has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that People who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps. I will now ask Judy S. to read the 12 steps. Thank you, Santa. This is Judy S. from New York. One, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, We're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, 
except when to do so would injure them or others. 10. Continue to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to the compulsive overeater and to practice, practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you. And thank you, Judy S. I will now ask Christy M. to read the 12 traditions. Good morning, Christy. Good morning, Santa. It's Christy M., Recovered Compulsive Overeater and Anorexic. 12 traditions. Tradition 1. Our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon AA unity. Tradition two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Tradition three, the only requirement for AA membership is a, OA membership is a desire to stop compulsory eating. Tradition four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting the groups or OA as a whole. Tradition five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Tradition six, um, a, a, an OA group ought never endorse finance or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise less problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Tradition seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Tradition eight, um, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Tradition nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Tradition 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Tradition 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and films. Tradition 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. I pass. And thank you, Chrissy M. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on a direction for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose remind us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. 
We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book. We are on page 7, the second paragraph that begins with, It Relieved Me Somewhat. We'll be reading through two paragraphs, ending with The Undertaker or The Asylum. The first paragraph for content, and the second paragraph will be focused for sharing. I will now ask Sylvia F. to begin reading. Good morning, Santa. This is Sylvia F., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in California right now. It relieved me somewhat to learn that in in alcoholics, the will is amazingly weakened when it comes to combating liquor, though it often remains strong in other respects. My incredible behavior in the face of desperate desire to stop was explained. Understanding myself now, I fared forth in high hope. For three or four months, the goose hung high. I went to town regularly and even made a little money. Surely this was the answer, self-knowledge. But it was not, for the frightful day came when I drank once more. The curve of my declining moral and bodily health fell off like a ski jump. After a time, I returned to the hospital. This was the finish, the curtain, it seemed to me. My weary and despairing wife was informed that it would all end with heart failure and delirium and delirium tremens, or I would develop a wet brain, perhaps within a year. She would soon have to give me over to the undertaker or the asylum. So this is Sylvia Fox uh, and uh, Sylvia F. Recovered compulsive overeater. Enough say, uh, I'm sorry, it's early. I'm in California, and uh, let me set my um, timer there. And to share on that second paragraph. You know, this is, Bill has been giving us his story so that, so that I, as a, as a compulsive overeater, as an addict, as an alcoholic, can identify in, is my path the same as his? And, it, you know, I can identify so well with this, even though the lengths of time and, and how it played out might be different. For me, I had figured out, before I understood it was too illness and before I got into OA, I had I got this self-knowledge that sugar was a problem for me. And so um, I, it was on a Thanksgiving day. It was the first year that my, I, of my uh, oldest child, the first year that he was here. And I just realized I made a decision that this substance was going to kill me. And I just, mm-hmm. I gave it up. And I gave it up and then I restricted all my food because I thought that food was the problem. And I went into that anorexic phase of, um, of our disease for almost eight years. And uh, I had total fear of food. So, uh, and I, it played out in a hundred crazy ways uh, so that I was down to uh, hardly eating any types of food and it had to be fresh, it couldn't be this, it couldn't be that. So I restricted. And then what happened, it was uh, that self-knowledge, it didn't matter that whatever the crazy thinking was, but it was not for the frightful day I came when I drank once more. And I don't even remember 
you know, I think that I, I was dating someone and I wanted to feel normal or something like that. It was a crazy reason, whatever it is. I could say that even though I had put down the uh, sugar and a lot of substances, I was still absolutely crazy. My life was insanely crazy. I was playing out my craziness at work and in my uh, home life and in uh, with my friends. And so... Um, so then I I got back into the food and uh and I got to go up about 85 pounds. And then when I came to OA, I just I could finally begin to understand the twofold illness. But that self-knowledge was never going to be enough. I for me, once I gave up the anorexia phase, I couldn't I couldn't restrict for more than 10 minutes. I it was just beyond me. So I totally identify in the desperation, and that's what this paragraph is, is that finally that knowledge of the desperation of the powerless, that no matter how much I know, I can't stay stopped. And that's exactly what happened uh, with, with Bill. No matter how much he knew, he couldn't stay stopped. And this is, this is the, the, the end of the dark before the storm, and I remember it. Thank God for it, because if I hadn't gotten that desperate, I wouldn't be where I am now, which is in recovery. And with that, I pass. And thank you, Sylvia F. And we'll be focusing our comments on the second paragraph. Now, who would like to comment for approximately three minutes? Hi, Malky. Tina S. from Florida. Melissa C. Tina S. Me C. Melissa C. Larry, did I hear Nancy? Who did I hear after Larry? I got you. I got Vasa, but somebody before Vasa. Who was that? Okay, this is who I have. I have Melky. I have Tessa S, Melissa C, Larry K, and Vasa O. Melky, good morning to you. Yes, good morning. Hi. Um, This is such an important read for me because. Self-knowledge avails me nothing. Like I thought when I came into program, you know, before program, I was constantly looking for diet. There's always going to be something else. There's always going to be the the all fruit or the no fruit or the all starch or the all grain. You know, that was always that, you know, the miracle thing that's going to make it happen. That happened for like a week, a maximum two weeks. You know, that was like, you know. But when I came into program, I realized that it's, a wonderful place, that this is exactly where I need to be. So I thought I have the knowledge. So if I have the knowledge, I'm fine. You know, like I I, 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 could, I could deal with it. Now I understand why I'm eating, it's the emotions and all the rest. But that avails me nothing. It's really the desperation. It's really the realizing what I do, what I, how I punish myself with food and how I punish myself my disease just grew worse till I realized I need to commit to this program. This is the place is not self-knowledge. It's really desperation and real desperation when knowing I can fix this. I just can't fix this myself. And it's so good for me to hear this now, to reinforce it in my brain because I have a family occasion and I know that my disease is going to come up and say, oh, you know how to do this. You know how to do that. You know this. You know that. And it has nothing to do with what I know. It has nothing to do anything with what I know. And I have to keep on saying that again and again. It really has to do with sticking to this 
complete program and, and letting go and letting God. So thank you so much for this reading. And thank you, Malky. What's the initial of your of your last name? Um, B. Malky B. Malky B. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for your share. And Tess S., I believe I have that correct. You're up. I think it was Tina S. Tina S. There you go. Thank you, Tina. Um, If I'm wrong, I apologize. Uh, Tina S. from Florida, and thanks, Santa. Uh, You know, I heard the desperation, and I love that we read this paragraph several times so that, you know, it kind of just brings back that bottom for me. You know, I was so desperate, and I, too, thought it was just about the food. If I had the right diet and uh, the right weight and looked the right way, that life would be fabulous. And, you know, what I did is I went into treatment because that's my story. And I, and I say that over and over because it's just the truth. Because if I got the food plan, you know, I, you know, I was off. You know, I was just going to be the bell of the ball. And, uh, and I got the food plan, you know. And then I moved, you know, and it just today, you know, in retrospect, I just see where I, you know, I could not live life on life's terms. That was the issue. You know, I had moved to Florida and I had never been without some kind of medication, whether it be booze, food, whatever. Um, and this was the first time after I left treatment and I was afraid of everything. I can remember I could not even drive on the highways and I was like, Oh my God, you know, I'd driven for years, but there was this fear of not the unknown. And that was always my fear. And so being unmedicated, there was something I had to do. And of course, self-knowledge was okay. It was about the food. And I heard this just from the the woman who shared it. And, you know, and that's my story too. You know, I, I have all facets of this disease. I came in as a compulsive eater, you know, I went to anorexic, I, you know, it was all of that kind of stuff because I thought food was the the problem. So therefore, you know, I dieted the food plan and, you know, and then I became a, uh, 94 pounds and I couldn't think and, you know, I just couldn't function in life until, you know, back into, okay, just knowing that, you know, this was bigger than me and that perhaps, perhaps, a power greater than myself could take care of this issue. And, and that's what it became for me. So self-knowledge got me nowhere but further in my disease. And, you know, as long as I remember that today, and I don't remember that every day, but hopefully I'll remember it today. So thanks for your service, and I pass. And thank you, Tina S. And good morning to you, Melissa C. Hi. Good morning, Santa. Good morning, everyone. This is Melissa C. A recovered compulsive overeater in New York, and um, you know, it's I, what I really um, identify in with is, uh, yeah, I had some self knowledge, you know, and um, and yet that gave me no ability to leave it alone, and um, you know, and so the first time that I came away and stayed, um, and I stayed for a while, um, you know, I put the food down. I got someone, you know handed me gray sheet, and so that became my um, my whole program of recovery. You know, I worked gray sheet. I didn't work the steps, and um, and I kind of left the whole God part out of this. You know, that's what I hear is missing here, is the spiritual transformation, and that's what was missing for me. And so, um, yeah, I, I lost weight, but I wasn't recovered. I didn't, you know, there was no personality transformation. I didn't change. Um, And so when I picked up again, um, because I was powerless to to do anything but do that, um, it was like I fell right off like a ski jump. And, you know, I I remember um, 
you know, any time that I picked up after having um, a string of abstinence, it was like I couldn't believe that I was doing this again. You know, that uh, overwhelming feeling, oh, my God, I'm doing this again. And, um, you know, and thankfully when my desperation became strong enough, um, you know, that I felt like it was going to end in death for me and I was both somewhat welcoming that but terrified of that, um, I, I heard you need to have a transformation. You need to change. Um, and I needed God. You know, that's when I finally realized, um, yeah, I was going to have to put aside everything I thought I knew um, and be open and willing to listen. Thank you. With that, I'll pass. And thank you, Melissa C. And good morning, Larry Kay. Good morning, Santa. Thank you for your service. Uh, Larry Kay, Recovered Compulsive Reader. So, you know, we read here, uh, the curve of my declining moral and bodily health fell off like a ski jump. Um, you know, a, a paradox is defined as, as a, an apparent contradiction. You know, it combines, you got, you got two realities that seemingly don't go together. So here's the, here's the paragraph or the paradox, rather, that I see in this paragraph. You know, the worse I get in my disease, in other words, the tighter the noose becomes around my neck, the more, you know, I begin to search for answers in myself to control the progression. And you see, you know, as I begin to pick up speed down the, the ski slope, you know, my fear of crashing becomes greater. And, and surrender is the last thing on my mind the very last thing in my mind. And I'm utterly convinced that in that moment that I am the only power that exists, you know, to get this thing under control. And in the midst of my fear, you know, bottom line, I'm the only power that, you know, that, that separates me and my skis from crashing into the, into the fence, you know. But you see, my false assumptions have to be shattered. And if anyone would have, would have insinuated to me that there was a power outside of myself that could save me from certain death, you know, while I was picking up speed down the, the black diamond slopes of binging, you know, I, I would have told them they're crazy. And, you know, as, as we're picking up speed with our, you know, with that, that death, death cliff, you know, in sight up ahead, we can see it up ahead, it takes courage to get quiet in that moment of, of our angst and our, our terror. And my, my insanity was that while I was headed for, you know, for destruction here, I maintained a position of contempt and disgust for, for any other way other than my way, you know, prior to, to investigating your way. Um, and I, I would come to meetings and I would listen and I would listen and listen to more, you know, but I never really was willing to take action. And part of the action, you know, the actions we find in these steps, of course, but I had to get quiet and begin to begin to look at my prevailing assumptions, you know, and challenge those assumptions that I had the answers, that my self-knowledge or, or knowledge that I would find on a bookshelf or, you know, what, what's the latest fad diet or this or that or the other thing. You know, I had to shatter those assumptions and, and, and confront, confront the very thing in myself that, you know, everything that I was doing, 
how was it working for me? Not too, not too terribly well. So thank God that, you know, we can slow down. We have these steps. We have this program. And, um, and that makes the difference. Thank God for Alcoholics Anonymous. With that, I'll pass. And thank you, Larry Kay. And good morning, Vasa. Oh. Yes, good morning, everyone. I'm Vasa. Thank you, Santa, for your service. And I'm Vasa O. Recovered Compulsible Vida calling from Florida. And I can identify so much with Bill. Of course, I didn't end up into hospital yet, you know. But I had a lot of knowledge about dieting, measuring, counting calories. Um, I mean, I could have been a nutritionist. I mean, that was my life. I was also always trying to keep to find to uh, to figure out how to keep the food down, you know. And um, I could not do it anymore. I was powerless over it. Um, I did not have the knowledge. I didn't have the understanding that sugar was a drug or I had the allergy of the body with the obsession of the mind. That was like a shock for me when I heard the doctor's opinion. Um, I, I, I mean, I knew everybody. Everybody was dieting. I know a lot of women that were dieting. To me, it was like another diet. I'm doing what everybody else is doing. And uh, I thought at the beginning I came just to lose the weight and and I was just going to leave, you know. I thought it was all about food, you know, about the food. And I didn't know the physics. I didn't know the mental or the spiritual part of the of my disease. So, I'm, I've, I've, you know, again, I'm so grateful to Alcoholics Anonymous for reading this big book and for giving me the solution and the directions how to do it finally. And, and I needed to surrender to find a power greater than myself and surrender to the program. And I did whatever I was told to do because I was in, I was so desperate I didn't want to die. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. And thank you, Vasa O. Oh, and thank you to everyone for being respectful of the time and staying within the three minutes. We're on page seven and commenting on that third paragraph. I'll take a few more names before moving on. Who else would like to Rachel comment. W. Sally. Rachel. Rachel W. Betty Betty. W. Sally. Did I hear Sally A? Yes. Mary Kay. Mary, and who else? Betty. Betty. Sharon H. I heard someone before Mary Kay. After Mary Kay, who was that? Penny. Sharon H. Penny. Sharon H. Penny. Penny. Yes, Penny. And Devora. Okay, we'll stop right there. Monica. Thank you. I have Rachel W., Sally A., Mary K., Sharon H., Penny C., Devora F., and Monica C. Rachel F., good morning. I'm sorry, Rachel W., good morning to you. Good morning, Santa. Thank you so much for your service. It's great to hear you here on the line. Um, th- good morning, everyone. This is Rachel W., Recover Compulsive Overeater, calling from New York. And this this era, this section of the book is exactly why I, I stay in this program, and this is why I, I'm, I'm here, because I, I need to remember what it was like. And that first sentence, when it describes the frightful day came when I drank once more, you know, I, I still remember where I was standing in January of 2013, 
when after a seven-year abstinence and after my sponsor left the program and after my entire OA network fell apart and after a year of, you know, white-knuckling my abstinence and just kind of like trying to hang on, um, I gave it away. I just, I, I, I remember when I picked up and I remember the, um, the fear, you know, like I, in the beginning there really wasn't any fear actually. I was kind of confident that I could keep it down. And um, I was okay for three months and I was okay for three weeks. And then ultimately, a short while later, I, I wasn't even okay for three hours. Um, I was lucky if I was okay for three minutes. I mean, I, I couldn't even put it together like an hour. You know, it was uh, it, by the end, it was, it was really this disease had, had gripped me so, so, so tightly. And, and I, I was, it was terrifying. It's terrifying because for me, the only answer is this program. And um, being in the relapse made me feel like I, I didn't have a place here, you know, which is really contradicting the whole purpose of this program. You know, if you're binging, if I, I knew that if I was binging, I had to stay in this program. And that's my message to anyone out there that's struggling is don't leave because the miracle will happen. And, and, and today, you know, thank God, I mean, you mentioned this frightful day. I remember there was so much fear with that binge, you know, physically and who was I becoming and, and, you know, what was going to happen. And, and today I live so differently. Thank God. You know, I, I have I, I came back into my abstinence and I lost the weight and I'm living more than that, much more than that. I'm transformed into a life where I'm really not afraid. I, I know what my feelings are. I can actually feel feelings and um, and know how to process them and lead them into the steps and, and into my network and, um, and and more importantly, into God, you know, and, and not be afraid, not live a life of fear, but understand fear as something valuable, you know, it's come in handy a few times, more than a few times, but um, but just to say that uh, I'm so grateful to have a process today where I do not have to live in fear. So thank you for letting me share. And thank you, Rachel W. And good morning to you, Sally A. <laughs> good morning to you. Good morning, a vision for you. It's Sally A. in South Jersey, recovered compulsive overeater. And um, by the time we get to this point in the story, the story, it's a little uncomfortable for me because uh, you can really hear it's like the end of the road for him. It's, it's actually like it's stressful to read these paragraphs. It's stressful all the way through page eight um, when he talks about the quicksand all around him. I find it very uncomfortable to look at this unlovely setting, this unlovely situation. He uses these words, but it was not for the frightful day when I drank once more. And when he uses that word, the frightful day, first of all, I want you to know whenever I go through the big book, I do this thing where I decide I'm going to focus in on certain things. And once when I went through, I made a list as I went through the entire thing, the entire book. I started making a list of all the words that were used that describe um, what, what it's like to be at the depths of doom. And um, here's what my list looks like. Um, I'm not going to give you page numbers, but afflicted, alcoholic torture, we were doomed, predicament, peril, my disease, tragic, grave, fatal. It goes on. But frightful, a frightful day, a very scary day when he drank once more. And this sentence, the curve of my declining morale and bodily health fell off like a ski jump. I picture a mathematical curve. But I also think about Disney when they have uh, 
um, Goofy go flying off of a cliff in his skis, you know, and he just goes, he goes off with a woohoo, it's happy, but then boom, he drops to the ground, and that's what it's like when we pick up, we have that momentary joy and relief, and then boom, we drop to the ground like a ski jump, and after I, after a time, I returned to the hospital, it was the finish, the curtain, the curtain, this is something they used to say in these movies, in these old, old movies, you know, when uh, the mobster came to the door with his gun, a blade, its final curtain. Thanks for letting me share with that. I pass. And thank you, Sally A. And good morning, Mary Kay. Good morning. This is Mary Kay, uh, recovered, recovering and recovered, a compulsive overeater, one day at a time. Thank you, God. So many things in this paragraph that I can relate to. Um, I'm going to just take it chunk by chunk here very uh, quickly. Um, it was not referring back to self-knowledge. Um, the um, And then my declining moral and bodily health. Um, I heard from so, another fellow along the line. I learned the words of de- describing... Um, Something that I related to with 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 declining physical health is a is a chronic condition associated with all the extra weight I carried, and and that was me. I hurt everywhere. I hurt everywhere. My joints ached. My hips ached. The I, I was slow. I was a shortness of breath and things like that. But it was always. It was never so much that I really really was desperate enough to change. But but morally, I continued to. to to do these things that of uh, all the wonderful, wonderful person I was and all the righteous, moral person and good, kind person I was, my gosh, I was going through drive-throughs and I, I, my, my car was like a, a, a garbage bin and, and then I'd, I'd gather it up and I'd hide it in the garbage can. I mean, who does that unless you're insane? And, and, and it's that mask that we put on and, and, and then the word, this was the finish. And, 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 but before that, I fell off like a ski jump. Basic physiology here that I, yet I have always known especially as I put on more and more and more weight and the degree the disease got more and more progressive, the bigger you are, the faster and harder you fall. I stopped skiing when I had a scary, scary fall down a head wall. And I, I stopped skiing when I was 100, 220 pounds. And then my body, and I dared think, my head was so crazy, I dared think, that I might go skiing again someday. The um, and and then I know. Oh my gosh! I can't I can't go down a water slide anymore. I stopped doing that in my 30s with my kids because I'm so big. I go down so fast. I, and and the because it's basic basic science. The the faster you are, the higher you fall. And 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 the the. And then it would all end the heart failure, and this was the end. And you take me to the undertaker. I saw my death. I saw wheelchairs. I saw walkers. I saw an early death, and I don't want to die. I was desperate. I was desperate. And thank you, God. He brought me to these rooms. I've always had a spiritual walk. But it was it was not a healthy spiritual walk. There are okay, 
And thank you very much for that, I pass. And thank you, Mary Kay. Good morning, Sharon H. Sharon, if you're speaking... Oh, good morning, Santa. This is Sharon H., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Colorado. Thank you, God. Um, But it was not. The frightful day came when I drank once more, and the curve of my declining moral and bodily health fell off like a ski jump. This was the finish, it it seemed to me. And his poor wife was given two alternatives by the doctor. He'd either have to be committed to an asylum or he would die from heart failure. And I am just so grateful for uh, the Vision for You program because I was one who struggled for years, many, many, many years in this program, um, unwilling to see the truth. And I still don't understand it today, but I don't have to understand it. So these pages, I must rehear them over and over again because I don't ever want to go back to believing the lies that I told myself for so many years. And I have a little notation here. By self-knowledge, it's as useless as my own false belief in my self-willed power to conquer this disease. I am totally powerless over it and only by God's grace. And working these 12 steps um, under his guidance and his direction have I been given that freedom that I never thought would be possible when it came to this food addiction. So I just want to um, encourage everyone out on the line that it will work. And I never believed that I could stay stopped. I could get abstinent. My dilemma was I couldn't stay stopped because I was still believing lies. And today, by God's grace, I see the truth for what it is. And with that, I pass. Thank you. And thank you, Sharon H. Good morning, Penny C. Good morning, Santa, and good morning, everybody. I'm aligned this morning. My name is Penny C., recovered compulsive overeater from the Boston area. Um, this frightful day came when I when I drank once more. The frightful days. The frightful day for me was repeated over and over and over again. Every time I thought I had the answer, you know, whatever it was, sometimes starvation, sometimes, you know, um, limiting certain food, sometimes whatever. And, uh, and it just kept happening over and over and over again. And what I'm realizing as the progression in Bill goes down and down and it's, and it becomes difficult to hear even, but it's necessary that that I realize many times over and over again as we read this paragraph, I mean this chapter, that, you know, um, it's a frightful disease. It's a, it's a fatal disease. And what I keep saying to myself is Bill hasn't found his higher power yet. And there's nothing that's going to help him until he finds his higher power. All these, all these paragraphs telling us what he did to try to stop drinking. And, and, and Lois, dear Lois, who stood by him and, and would do anything, including going on that, that long motorcycle trip because she thought a geographical cure would help him at least, you know, drink less. And so it, I'm aware that 
It was only at the age of 47, after trying everything, after putting myself up on a pedestal as a Weight Watcher lecturer, don't you know, that that none of that worked until I found a higher power that I believed could help me with this addiction, with this terrible disease, and that the only place I found that higher power in the spiritual answer was when I came to OA. Blessed, blessed OA. Without it, I can't imagine. I don't want to imagine, so I won't, what life might be like. I'm just grateful for the life that I live today, free, free of the, the, the obsession of, of food, food, food all the time. And I can feel my feelings, and I, I have an army of people, all of you out there, that I can call, that I can talk things over with, and I can come to a resolution and, and, and reach out again to my higher power. And I just say, God, I'm yours, and I trust you. Thank you. And thank you, Penny C. And good morning, Devorah F. And good morning to you, Sansa, and everybody. Thank you all. This is Devorah S. from New Jersey, recovered compulsive overeater. And, um, you know, the self-knowledge, surely this was the answer. Of course, I knew how to stop eating. I knew everything about diets. I knew everything about the food. Um, and But, of course, it didn't get me anywhere because I came into this program weighing 280 pounds and, you know, it, all the years that I thought I knew it, I didn't know anything until I, I learned the doctor's opinion and it was the allergy of the body, the obsession of the mind. I needed to put down all those substances um, that were causing me to crave the food and setting up the phenomenon of craving. But even in program and being abstinent and losing 150 pounds, you know, I still thought I had all the answers. Um, I was still, I didn't work the steps. I did the steps in various ways, but not as it's laid out in the big book. And I was still feeling, I knew the answers, you know, just make those phone calls, um, get to those meetings, stay abstinent, don't eat no matter what, no matter what, don't eat. Those were the knowledge, that's the self-knowledge that I had. But my head was telling me otherwise. I was restless, irritable, and discontented. I was barking at everybody. I was not... I mean, I think, you know, they all say, you know, um, you know, I'm going to be free. Yeah, I was free. I wasn't eating. I was not binging, and I was free from my obsession of the food. But the way I, was, I did not have a psychic change, and I was not living the 12 steps. I was not living in 10, 11, and 12. I was constantly pointing and blaming and thinking, if only they would do this, then I would be happy. So I needed to go through the steps and put the focus on myself. And, um, you know, you know, so grateful for this program and for the sponsor who took me through the steps and for the fellowship that I have today and for the people there who, you know, for everyone here um, who tell my story. You know, it's so easy for me to forget. I have a disease that tells me I don't have a disease. But I need to be reminded each day coming on this phone line and hearing Bill's story and hearing everybody share, it just remembers who I am. It just focuses me one more time each day. I, I, I get amnesia overnight. I, I, I need to hear it over and over and over again. And I'm so grateful for the willingness. And, 
Oh, what can I say? It's 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 a wonderful program, and it's just a great way to start the day. And um, so grateful. And thanks for letting me share. Thank you. And thank you, Devorah F. And our last year on this paragraph will be Monica C. Before moving on to the next. Good morning, Monica. Good morning, Santa. Good morning, everyone. This is Monica T. in Florida. And, you know, here we are in Bill's story, and he's giving more more and more uh, history of the progression of his disease. And after a time, I returned to the hospital. So I just wanted to give a little history here behind this paragraph. So this is in July 1934, and this is going to be, this is his second treatment with Dr. Silkworth at Tom's Hospital. And then he goes on to say, uh, my weary and despairing wife was informed that it would all end with heart failure during delirium tremens, or I would develop a wet brain. So the story goes that Lois asked Dr. Silkworth, "Is it you know, what do you think here?" And Dr. Silkworth says, "You know, I think he's this is going to kill him. He's going to die here. I don't know that he's going to be able to recover." And Bill hears this. And that sets us up for the next paragraph. I looked up delirium tremens, anxiety, confusion, delusions, hallucinations, distorted speech. And as a nurse, I one time had a patient who was suffering delirium tremens. Very scary. He was having hallucinations. He was seeing bugs on the walls and on the beds and everywhere. Can you imagine how scary that must be? It was scary for me, taking care of him. Or a wet brain. What is a wet brain? It's permanent brain damage. And to the point where you can't take care of yourself anymore. These, you know, we, we don't, tra- you know, we face things too. Heart disease and all kinds of things. Anyway, with that, I shall pass. Thank you. And thank you, Monica, Monica T. And I will now ask Karen S. to begin the next paragraph. Good morning, Karen. Karen, if you're speaking, we don't hear you. Oh, I became muted again. Good morning, Santa. This is Karen S. Can you hear me now? I sure can. Oh, nice to be here on Monday morning with you again. Um, Karen S., grateful recovered compulsive overeater from Michigan. They did not need to tell me. I knew and almost welcomed the idea. It was a devastating blow to my pride. I, who had thought so well of myself and my abilities, of my capacity to surmount obstacles, was cornered at last. Now I was to plunge into the dark, joining that endless procession of socks who had gone on before. I thought of my poor wife. There had been much happiness after all. What would I not give to make amends? But that was over now. Well, here we are heading toward Bill's um, final surrender. Um, And it just causes me to think, as we all do, I guess, about uh, my eating history and how... how, um, my pride just uh, took, it was, it was like my pride was on that ski jump up and down and up as I went to one diet uh, organization and lost my weight and felt top of the world and 
Um, and then plummeting down that ski jump as I gained the weight back again, started eating again almost immediately. Um, and then another grand idea, then another great uh, diet would come my way, and up I'd go, and then down I'd go again. I um, just just could not, could not maintain that sense of really um, false pride and um, and counting on myself to be able to do this thing. And I remember that that day, I think I had uh, about 89 days of abstinence, and I thought, I have got the deal made. You know, now, Of course, what I was doing was eating my own food plan. I had, I had made this food plan. I knew what I should be eating and what I shouldn't be eating. And um, I was just moving right ahead in that in that space of pride, and and we had had a little group of people over for dinner, and my husband and I were cleaning up afterwards, and I was in the kitchen, and I just found myself I just found myself with uh, something in my mouth um, once again something that that was not on my own planned food plan. Um, and that was the moment. Um, I think it was, I think it was probably about 89 days after I started listening to Vision for You that I, I had to call my sponsor in tears and desperation. I so wanted what I saw in my fellows around me and say, I don't know what to do. I don't know. And she said, Well, let me tell you. And I, from that day on. That was the day that brought me to the to the to the good good place of recovery. So um, poor old Bill, he's just in the midst of it. Um, but we know we know the end of the story, um, and we know how to get there. We have we have this program. So thanks so much to everyone. And with that, I do pass. Charles from New York. And thank you, Karen S. Uh, we have time for two quick shares on this paragraph. So Charles, go ahead. Please. Thank you. Charles H. from New York, a recovered visionary. Before I could deal with the spiritual malady, I got to deal with the physical allergy. So I thank God, thank you, thank you for my brain damage. Thank you. Because dealing with my, because you know what, guess what? <laughs> if I'm fully repaired, there's no need for me to be here. If I'm perfect, no need, Charles, don't need, you could lose that number. Don't try to help nobody. Don't call no sponsor. I got brain damage permanently. <laughs> and but 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 <laughs> when I deal with the, the spiritual malady, first of course dealing with the physical allergy, I will never discount being abstinent. Thank you, God. It's a gift from my higher power, right? And then you know, and then improving my conscious contact, right? That access we talk about in that second step. That power, lack of power is my dilemma. And I can identify in with Bill W. You know. His, his his last his last debauch, right? You know, white light experience. You know, some people get that. Some people see the light, and some people's burned by it. And Charles H., you were burned by it. But you know, I thank God for my brain damage today. I thank God for the solution today, and I thank God for all you guys and and and, and beautiful ladies. And with that, I pass. And thank you, Charles H. And one more share, please. We want to take that three minutes. Leah. Go right ahead, Leah. Thank you so much. I, who had thought so well of myself and my abilities and my capacity to surmount obstacles, I mean, uh, 
you know, Bill's alcoholism, his disease is doing its job of bleeding him of any sense of, you know, self-will or power over this thing. And, you know, the disease it's do- is doing its job. And, you know, it, it beats us into a state of reasonableness. You know, the text tells us that. Um, and that was certainly my experience. You know, the progression um, and the way it cornered me. You know, it it absolutely cornered me so that um, I would eventually, (laughs) um, you know, embrace a spiritual solution to this problem, not a medical solution, not a psychological solution, not an intellectual solution, but a spiritual solution because we get to the point where we admit, we concede, we're done. You know, we've been cornered because once you've accepted step one and he's not there quite yet, then you realize that to continue to drink as Bill was or to continue to compulsively overeat means continued torture, suffering, and disaster. It is not going to get any better. But so does continuing to rely entirely on yourself to stop compulsively overeating. You know, I was out of options. My experience has been that if I did not admit defeat, complete powerlessness over this thing, thinking that I have the power, then I block off anything else to help me. Because I don't need a power greater than myself, and I don't need you because I have me as a power greater than myself. You know, and all those suggestions were given to me that could arrest my disease and enable me to start a whole new life, there were years where I had no enthusiasm to pursue that. And, you know, it, it took a beating. I took a beating through this disease because unless I humbled myself by taking step one, I did not need the rest of the program. You know, what does powerless mean? It means incapable. It means weak, feeble, incapacitated, helpless, immobilized, you know, et cetera. And that is the point that Bill has to get to because there is no door number three. Uh, you know, he doesn't have AA to run to. Uh, he doesn't know where to run yet, but he's getting, uh, you know, he, he's getting beaten up and beaten up good, and that's where we all have to be uh, before we throw up our hands and say, I quit. Please, somebody out there, whoever out there, whatever out there, please save me from myself. And with that, I pass. Thanks so much. And thank you, Leah M. And thank you to everyone who has shared, and we will be picking up, I'm sure, with this paragraph first thing tomorrow morning. Please join us for our second unrecorded hour of studying immediately following closing. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. I will now ask Duel to read A Vision for You. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Good morning, Du. Good morning, Santa. This is Duel. Uh, recover compulsive reader. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. 
See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is a great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy, of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you on to then. Yes.